Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. Welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom, and my cup runneth over today with guests because uh, not only do I have a guest to interview, but I have a guest host. Sam Gash is sharing the hosting duties with me today. Sam has previously been a guest here as he is a screenwriter and the host of the brilliant podcast, Ideal Remake. Glad to have you here, Sam. Hi, it's nice to be here. The guest we'll be interviewing today is, uh, so no one thinks us too Hollywood-centric, is from England by way of New Zealand. Uh, Paul Kalbergi is an award-winning British screenwriter, playwright, and television producer. Uh, his plays uh, such as Broadway or Bust and In the Tall Grass have graced the stages uh, in New York City, London, and Dallas. He received his MA for writing for stage and screen from Regents University in London and also studied story analysis for uh, through the writer's program at UCLA. Wow, that's a lot of intro. He conducts playwriting courses and workshops and is the author of the Writer's Toolkit, exercises, techniques, and ideas for playwrights and screenwriters. And he is the host of the Writer's Toolkit podcast, which is a a wonderfully produced show, I have to say. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I feel like uh, some of the intros I've been giving, I I need like a whole second podcast just to contain all of the intro. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you know, I record all my intros after the the guest has gone because I just, I could, I could never get through it. You never. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, we'll we'll talk about your podcast sure. in a little bit, but um, let's start with genuinely never occurred to me. That is a very good idea. That's great. <laughs> it's less embarrassing too. Well, feel feel free to um, edit, edit as you will. I'm sure I'll make lots of fluffs as well. Uh, that's okay. We're I all podcasters here. Here so. and say and listen to that. There will be no <laughs> fluffs. This is going to be a weird podcast. So. <laughs> We're just going to run it as is. I'm not even going to edit it all. It's just going to be as okay, is. Great. All right. So. Um, First, let's just talk about your writing. So you have uh, you've written plays and TV shows, mm. and you you uh, uh, what what is your uh, your drive behind your writing? Uh, when did you start, and and why why plays too? Well, I kind of uh, it was always theater first for me, and I originally trained as an actor uh, in the northeast of England, where I'm from, and moved to London about nineteen, and started auditioning for things, and never really kind of found the right role for myself. And I thought I'm going to write. The perfect role for myself and then through writing kind of really found i guess my real passion um i think sometimes when you are perhaps from a small town or uh, and you, you first enter the industry i think acting sometimes is the obvious route um, or the only route that you're really aware of until you really kind of uh, find your feet and investigate the industry and kind of figure out you know there are other roles other other roles available and um all that stuff that makes it onto stage and screen somebody actually writes that um so through through doing that i kind of organically kind of um, you know segued into writing and then I was I actually put together a, um, a four-hander comedy sketch show uh, on, on the fringe in London with with some other writer friends and it was a mixed media show it was it was half live on stage and and half pre-recorded video content 
Um, and then through kind of recording and producing all the video content, I kind of found my way into TV production, which has been my my day job, I guess, um, for the last 15 years. Um, but writing has always kind of been my my main passion um, it, it kind of alongside that. Um, so I went back to school in, in, in 2015 and decided to uh, take it a bit more seriously and really kind of try to, to push the writing, which is when I went back to Regents to do my MA in uh, in writing for screen and stage so it's always so theatre has been my first love and um, and writing for stage um, and then I guess screenwriting kind of came through through working in television and um, and and after my, my course really that's th- th- your story is remarkably similar to mine and I find that hilarious and amazing but so I sat and I listened to the soundtrack to your musical Broadway or bust yesterday. oh you did <laughs> yeah I listened to the whole thing and uh I specifically the song we're sorry miss spats right that's the sort of song that like only someone who's been in the like audition train could write yes. it's so good <laughs> it's so good it's yeah, every actor's lament, isn't it? <laughs> oh, so much. It like if anyone's listening right now, like if like go check out all of Paul's songs, but start with "We're Sorry, Miss Spats" because it is absolutely fantastic. Well, I will have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that show, I guess, really speaks to my origins in theatre, uh, coming up through community theatre. Um, I always think, and I always say to my students as well in my workshops that. I feel like we all have one show in us that we have to write. You know, there's lots of shows that we'd like to write and that we have ideas to write, but there's kind of a show we have to get out there on the page and, and um, you know, whether it, whether it makes it to stage or not. Uh, and that one actually took 14 years to make it to stage. And then perhaps at the end, I wish that it hadn't, uh, which, is another, <laughs> which, which is another story. Um, but that was the show that for me, I had to write. And it was basically my love letter to theatre. It was all the characters that I came up with in community theatre. Um, and I thought, um, moving to Dallas in 2015 from London, I thought those characters were unique to my experience in, in the northeast of England. And uh, I was taking my children, I've got two small boys, and I was taking them to the library. This is in Plano, Texas, just outside of north of Dallas. And um I was in, in in a library in, in somewhere that felt so far from a million miles from where I came from. And there was a poster on the wall for Theatre Britain, um, a British theatre company in Plano, Texas. And I thought, what are the chances? So I reached out to Theatre Britain and it was immediately apparent that all those characters that I was kind of writing to, writing about um, from, from from my start in theatre were right here in Texas, um, right there in Texas rather. And, and I thought maybe that show could have legs elsewhere beyond you know the northeast of England, where it's from, and um, and and that was Broadway or bust, really. So it's it's just my kind of passionate love letter to amateur theatre, um, all the characters that make it happen, and um, the magic that comes from community of theatre because it's all about the people. You know, they're not trying to stage a theatrical masterpiece. It's about the journey. It's about community, um, and and that's what that show was for me. And that very much comes across in the music. It, it it was genuinely wonderful. And the summer before I went to college, I uh, was involved in a, a community theater, a dinner theater in Tucson, Arizona, which is where I'm from, called the Gaslight Theater. And just listening to the music just took me right back there. And it was like very much of like, ah, just a total nostalgia hit while listening. Oh, fantastic. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You guys are having a great conversation. I just let you go. Um, <laughs> No, uh, no, that's cool. Uh, Roshni's always telling me about, um, uh, and we've talked about this on the podcast about at, write, acting for writers is like a thing. Like if you're just a, if you're a writer and you've never done acting, you're, you're it's a little harder to get into the head of 
the character and how it's performed to know how to write it properly. Mm. Cause there's how we think we want the actor to say it, or we think we want how the character to behave, but it's not natural. And only an actor would understand some of that stuff until the actor says it and feels it and tries to present it. They're not going to understand um, how, you know, writing right. it is, is a little harder. So. You've got to hear the voice. Absolutely. He- hear it instinctively in, in order to write it authentically, I think. Uh, you have TV stuff you've written. I noticed it's a lot of, uh, you have drama, but you also have bio- biographies, docudramas, reality series. Yeah. That seems like a little bit different uh, area. Yeah, well, everything where, other than Where did the, that come um, about? So the, so the, the, the non-scripted content, um, I started um, off the back of that show I mentioned earlier with the mixed media um, show on stage. I actually set up a TV production company. Um, this, was, this was in 2006. Um, and possibly uh, with the bravado of youth, um, set up this TV production company (laughs) and self-funded a six-part celebrity reality series um, without without the backing of a network. Uh, There was no platform for the show. I just just had it in my head that I could do it. Um, And with a very, very minimal shoestring budget, I um, enlisted the celebrity, found myself a crew, and made this six-part series, and then uh, two years later was sat there with you know a fully edited show and no home for it, and um, I'd been kind of knocking on doors, and I'd, I'd pretty much exhausted uh, not just the the main you know the mainstream terrestrial channels in the UK, but I'd, I'd also worked my way down the Wikipedia list of you know every single channel on the Sky platform, and um, had pretty much ex- exhausted the lot. Um, and then I came across this wonderful um, network called Information TV that basically um, provides a platform for micro channels to launch um, on on their television channel. And they were launching a new channel at the time called called Showcase TV, and they agreed um, to take the show from me. Um, so there was no money involved. Um, we didn't recoup at all, but they took the show and they aired it. And at that point, I was just glad to find a home for it, which was which felt like quite the accolade in it in itself. Um, and and what happened was the show aired, and my my phone kept ringing with other small micro channels that didn't have in-house production facilities. And I found myself um, for the next five years producing content for these really niche uh, niche audience shows um, that I that I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, passionate about content wise. Um, but it was, it was, it felt like a great start in TV. So I was making shows for the business channel and UK boating and would you believe it, the caravan channel. So really kind of niche, you know, niche market TV shows. Um, and, and then I kind of wound down that company spent three years working in, uh, in home shopping. And around the time I was studying for my master's degree. And then once I'd graduated, I thought, okay, this is the time to kind of, you know, make a real change here. And fortunately, my move to Dallas um, brought about some, some great opportunities. And that was where I was, uh, you know, able to find work writing on, on shows like uh, The Price of Fame. And um, we did a, uh, recently an authorized bio doc about Clint Eastwood um, and kind of, re- you know, started to move into, into scripted content. That's incredible. That sounds super fun. And just like, like, it's one of those opportunities where normally writing for TV is kind of the thing itself. And then you have to go elsewhere to get the experience so you can write more TV. But it sounds like you found this incredible niche where you were writing for TV and getting more experience to write for TV at the same time. Yeah, it was a it was a funny way about it. I kind of came up backwards, really. And because I bypassed, I bypassed a lot of the early kind of entry point 
you know, roles in television. I, I was never really a, you know, a runner or a, or a researcher. Um, I kind of went straight in producing, which is a, which is a funny thing to do because of course your CV doesn't really back that up when you're looking for your next role. Um, so the early years were definitely hard because of that. I think I went, um, you know, perhaps too far ahead of myself and had to kind of, you know, work back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. You have an interesting perspective because you started in London, you you worked in Dallas, you were in L.A. because you, you I don't know how, how much you did in L.A. You have to tell me about that. Uh, but then now you're in New Zealand. Mm. So how does the industry differ in all those different places? How, how, what have you found the most uh, compelling uh, uh, differences? Very, very different. Yeah. Um, London was great because I was there. I spent 15 years in London and it was obviously the, you know, the earlier part of my career. So in terms of the access to experimental platforms and you know uh, fringe venues and places to really be you know play and be messy um, and get stuff on stage relatively easily without a great deal of funding uh, you know was was a fantastic learning environment and to really meet um, you know many of my network uh, and community of writers that I'm still in touch with today um, and then moving to the US was always a dream of mine um, I, I would still love to return to the US and and um, what what I found was in London, probably very similar to New York and, and LA, um, you, you're very often, um, you know, unless you kind of really break through, you're, you're a, you know, a, a tiny fish in a, in a really big pond. And suddenly moving to Dallas, knocking on doors, people, the, the doors seemed to open. I don't, know what, I don't know whether it was the accent that was novel in Texas, um, but <laughs> something happened. And oh, it's always the accent, yeah. <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> people replied to emails. And the talent, Tom, and the talent. Well, I think I think perhaps the accent opens the door for sure, and then you've got to back it up. But it was just a surprise, you know. So, so often you you fire off you know emails and just never hear back, and suddenly people were replying to my emails. I was able to take meetings, um, and that was really exciting. And perhaps that gave me the confidence to believe that I could do it. Um, so so that that was really interesting. And and New Zealand has been a very a very different experience. Um, and I've been here prime predominantly you know since the start of of covid which has been a strange time to be anywhere um so so that was strange before we left dallas i started researching you know what might i do in new zealand what might i write for and um the the kind of the credit that's on everyone's cv here if you're a writer is is shortland street which is the local soap opera so before we left dallas i spent the last six months starting to watch that because of course it's shot six months in advance of, of, of airing and um, so i thought i better start catching up and kind of familiarize myself with that should i be lucky enough to you know find a way into the show so when we moved here that was my first kind of uh, port of call and let's see how I can perhaps get in on Shortland Street. And I was lucky enough to write a couple of episodes back in uh, 2019, which aired in 2020. So that was, a, that was a great starting point and a great start in terms of networking as well. Well, Netflix and, uh, has been adding more New Zealand series to their, their catalog. I've actually noticed there's several uh, actually, starting uh, several years ago, there were a few New Zealand shows that popped up. Uh, Glitch was one. That was a good mm. one. That was like a kind of a paranormal-ish kind of show. And then there was, was it The Mighty Johnsons? It was like some kind yep. of yep. fantasy thing. Um, those were kind of the early ones. But now I, I feel like even since the, those weren't bad, but, um, you know, they're kind of early. But now it seems like the production quality and the, the, the values have really risen. Yeah, I, I mean, as long as we're gassing up, sorry, I'm no, no, I'm go, so ahead, sorry. Go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. I was gonna say, as long as we're gassing up New Zealand television, I just finished watching uh, the New Zealand version of Taskmaster, which oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. 
did the did the comedy translate? It did. Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, in, interesting people in incredible situations. It it translated very well. It was very funny. Yeah, I was just going to pick up on your point, Tom, and just say I think perhaps the reason for that is that for so long, New Zealand has been a bit of a um, it's been a bit of a, a great place to come tax wise for international production, and you know so much has been shot here over the years that you wouldn't even know was shot here. Uh, you know, there's lots of lots of U.S. movies that that come and shoot here for the stunning you know uh, locale, and I think of recent years, um, New Zealand has really been cottoning on to perhaps what's on its doorstep and uh, showing the world what it can do locally as well. I think Netflix has also been putting a lot more money into local production mm. for, you know, that's why we're getting so many, um, you know, Korean series and you get, you know, Japanese series. Yeah. They've got the audience, so they're putting money into local uh, production. And then that's translating into international views. I mean, uh, Squid Game and stuff like that are huge, oh, you know, in the U.S. even. So it, it feels like Netflix is like, we don't have to just make shows in the U.S. for U.S. people. We can make shows all over the world for all, all of their audiences and then, you know, see where they can else they'll be popular. Yeah. And different countries have different tastes, of course, too. Well, the, co- the co-production model itself um, has been, I think, going that way for a long time in terms of things like Downton Abbey, which you wouldn't suspect you know, is, 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 is primarily or partly at least funded by, by US TV networks, um, you know, for the US audience. Um, so I think that, that co-production model certainly is, is the way forward. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Kiwi um, comedy writer, uh, Rose Matafeo and her show uh, Starstruck, which was a co-production. I am with- after having watched New Zealand Taskmaster. Yeah. <laughs> actually yeah. i don't think she was on that but yes i'm familiar with rose metafeo yeah 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 well so starstruck is is i mean i'm a big fan i love starstruck and that was you know it's her story of being a kiwi transplanted in, in london and is co-produced um between i forget the uk network but it's hbo max i believe and a uk network um and and that model of course is, is sold around the world and it's you know it's shared risk for the network so it certainly makes sense um and i'm, I'm trying to pitch a show at the moment um with a with a, a a British kind of protagonist set in New Zealand um, and hoping to kind of hoping to find funding with that model. Cool. Uh, you're a busy guy. And with all of that, um, you also have a podcast. Uh, the Writer's Toolkit is your podcast, mm. the same title as your book, uh, The Writer's Toolkit. And uh, let's listen to your promo and then we'll talk about sure. it. The Writer's Toolkit podcast with Paul Kalbergi. In the first season, I sit down with veteran Hollywood screenwriters and playwrights working in the West End and on Broadway. I find out how and where they like to work and the writing journeys behind some of their best-known works. So if you write for stage or screen, join us for inspiring conversations about the writing life, as well as tips and ideas for maintaining a healthy writing practice. The Writer's Toolkit Podcast. So there, it's so cool. I love it. It's so polished. Do you have a you have a team that work on it with you? No, it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> it sounds like you must have like like engineers, and you have that great voiceover. Um, the announcer lady. Yeah, I love it. It's really yeah. nice. I think that's um, perhaps my my TV producer hat. It's hard to take off, and sometimes, um, you know, being a a bit of a perfectionist is, is certainly a curse. I didn't plan on spending as many hours on the podcast as I, as I did. <laughs> I also imagine for someone who spends so much time wearing the producer hat and working for so many different productions, it's nice to finally have something that you have complete creative control over for one reason or another. 
Oh, that that was certainly nice. Yeah, it literally the, the book kind of started and stopped. Um, and yeah, that, that was really nice, especially during lockdown. It was a really great way to connect uh, and feel not so cut off from the rest of the world, um, the podcast itself. So yeah, so I think wearing all of those hats, lining up the guests, speaking to the people that I was really passionate about speaking to, um, I, I hope that comes across in the conversations. Oh yes, I am. Um, I I listened to the most recent episode, and she, uh, I can't remember her name, but she was lovely, Catherine Burnett. And lovely. Catherine, yep. yeah. And there was, uh, I felt like there was a very, it was very, um, I wasn't inspiring. To, I don't want to oversell it, but yeah, it was very inspiring, and and just uh, the conversation you had with her very uh, light and and easy to to listen to. Uh, great storytelling. So I, I found it really, you know, not just a podcast about writing, mm. but it was more about, you know, being a writer and and uh, the trials and tribulations thereof. Absolutely. It's all about the, the my whole thing was um, it's all about the writing life. And if you if you dive back into episodes, uh, the first episode actually with Diane Samuels, who was actually one of my mentors during my MA at, at Regents University. And um, her workshops were incredibly inspiring to me because Diane's all about meditative writing and, um, you know, um, writing kind of um, playful writing and being messy and allowing yourself that freedom to experiment. Um, so Diane and I have a, a really kind of spiritual conversation. Then I connect with um, Mark Sanderson, who's a screenwriter that I've admired for a long time off the back of his book, um, A Screenwriter's Journey to Success. And we talk about, you know, life in the trenches in Hollywood as a working writer. And it's all about the kind of day to day. I'm very nosy as well. And it was basically an opportunity <laughs> for me to get into the writing rooms of the writers, uh, you know, that inspire me and find out kind of not just what they write, but how they write and kind of, you know, what's on their desk beside them while they're writing and what music they listen to and uh, all those kind of quirky, you know, writers rituals things. One of my favorite questions that I tend to ask other writers is what they listen to while they're writing. And mm. so like, cause some people like it need absolute silence and some people have like those lo-fi beats to study and relax to. So yeah. I, I guess with that in mind, Paul, for what is your writing ritual since yeah. you asked all of your guests that? Thank you. Um, well, I actually create a, a Spotify playlist specific to each of my projects. Um, mm, and I find nice. that because they're all so different, it, I, I find uh, it really allows me to kind of immerse into that world. So I'm working on a piece at the moment, which is set in the Arctic Circle. And I have uh, lots of kind of Norsk, um, Scandi kind of, uh, you know, haunting rhythmic kind of music in the background and then what else am i writing on let's have a look um, i'm writing a jukebox musical right now i won't say um based on who, which based on what music but um i have the soundtrack of of kind of that you know that that band's music uh in in the background and then i have um i have the comedy drama that's set here in new zealand which has lots of music kind of old school um jazz so kind of project specific but i certainly don't I certainly can't write in silence. Um, I do very well in, in noisy coffee shops. <laughs> so then, but so then with that in mind, when you're putting together these Spotify playlists, are these lists that uh, have lyrics or do not have lyrics? Yeah, some of the, some of them do. Um, I, I know what you're saying there because like, I, 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 I couldn't have anything that's too distracting. Um, but sometimes, yeah, some of the jazz stuff does certainly does have lyrics. Um, Obviously, with the jukebox musical, that it's it's all you know driven sure. by the lyrics. Um, but yes, primarily, and if I'm writing something that's not project specific, I would certainly be instrumental kind of you know piano in the background. It's a great playlist that I use a lot on Spotify, um, and I'll just ask you know um, my smart speaker to play violin concertos, that that kind of thing. 
Yeah. So then you also wrote a book, like you wrote the writer's toolkit. Like what kind of uh, playlist did you put together for writing the book? Mm, Yeah. So that would be one where I was probably having um, instrumental kind of classical, classical things in the background um, because the book kind of, you know, is, is such a kind of melting pot kind of, you know, crossing all, all genres and taking bits from things that have kind of uh, worked for me, you know, when writing the different projects that I've worked on, um, many of the exercises are from my, my workshops. So yeah, the soundtrack for writing something, I think quite generalist, I would, I would probably need to kind of tune out, like you say, lo-fi beats, um, some kind of white <laughs> noise. Totally. So um, as well uh, as your podcast, your book, your screenwriting, your playwriting, you also do workshops. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So when I when I um so I I graduated from Regents University in 2015, um, and it was a real kind of um, educating Rita moment for me. I don't know if you're familiar with the with the film, um, but educating Rita is of a you know about a oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 and a, a mature student returning to school, and it was. I really kind of embraced, you know, the subculture and everything about going back to school. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a fantastic time for me. And when I left, I, I didn't want it to be over. And I was like, I've got to find a way to be back in the room with writers because I love that energy, uh, you know, of, of kind of sharing ideas, uh, dissecting scenes, screenings, all that kind of stuff was so inspiring to me. Um, and the, so the deadlines that came with, you know, with, with the master's degree, going away and, and completing those assignments in between was never was never a chore you know it, it never felt like a, a challenge because I was just so engrossed in the whole thing and um, so I thought if I'm going to keep up that energy of being able to deliver projects for myself and you know get my my own passion projects and spec scripts written um, let me find a way to stay connected with education alongside that as a way to kind of you know constantly fuel my own inspiration and 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 to be in the room with writers and enthuse about you know all the things that drive me and also learn from them um so that was kind of the the impetus to start teaching and kind of get in, get into the classroom um but my, my 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 workshops are very practical very interactive i'm not a lecturer by any means i you know i don't stand in front of a whiteboard and and, and spout theory um it's all practical based um, exercises um, designed to either provide a jumping-off point for a new piece of work, um, to you know navigate around a writing roadblock or tackle a problematic scene. Um, and so, what I'd what I'd found was that after you know working working that way in workshops for a few years, I'd amassed so many original exercises that it felt quite natural to compile them in, into a book. Uh, so that's how the Writer's Toolkit came about. Ah, okay. Now, are your workshops, do you have to go to New Zealand for those or do you do them virtually as well? Well, I travel, I have, I travel around. So I've done workshops previously in the US and the UK. Um, right ah, now with okay. travel restrictions um, for this year, I have workshops coming up just in New Zealand. Uh, actually, sorry, I'm, I tell a lie. I'm hoping to teach a workshop in Greece uh, in, in June um, during a Europe mm. trip. But I, one of the things that I've really hated um, about the pandemic is this idea that we're all supposed to become overnight YouTubers. And, you know, we're, we're all supposed to um, be um, confident to suddenly, you know, uh, move everything online. And I just, I, it's just not for me. Uh, I just don't enjoy, you know, speaking to 
to camera, speaking to black boxes. And I just think I get so much out of being in the room with the writers that, um, and also you just, you know, you, you burn through so much more content when, when you're not discussing things in the room with people and, um, you know, elaborating on an idea or a theory. Um, I think you just burn through, a, you know, a whole content for a whole workshop very quickly. So, so no, I've, I've kind of held off moving online. Um, and I know I feel like I should, everyone keeps telling me to, to do stuff online. Um, and um, probably to my own detriment, but I just, I just, just I have a book. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. Well to, well, to that point, like, because you said that the book is uh, kind of based off of these workshops that you've been teaching and you kind of like assemb- assembled it uh, based on that, mm. since we're now kind of moving towards a post-ish pandemic world, what's something that was true when it was originally written that might not be true anymore that you think? What's something that's changed that you might, if you were writing the book now, go back and, and alter? Um, I, so I, so I, sorry, so I wrote the book um, pre-pandemic. The book came out pre-pandemic. Um, I was um, talking just then about, about not teaching workshops online. Um, sorry, I think, right, I, I think I, I've confused I, your I, question. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It's, I'm asking if there's something, because the book is pre-pandemic, mm. is there something, information and in something that you teach in the book no. that has changed because of the pandemic no i'm so, sorry no it's it's um it's it, the book's fairly evergreen um it's all it's all stuff um it's because it because it, it's based on on writing you know it's um it's got it it's, it's process it's, yeah so i think the book is all about craft and um and technique and the ideas in there can apply to you know a current piece of writing a project that you're working on um you know, can, can inspire a new piece of work um, and can also be used as a kind of precursor to a writing session. So one of the things that I talk about in the book is, is meditative writing. And there are three audio uh, pre-recorded meditations, writing meditations, which you can um, access uh, through the book, um, which will which will guide you through. Um, I, I, I use these these meditations as a way to clear my mind before sitting down for a writing session and to leave any kind of you know thoughts from the outside world outside of my writing space, um, so that I can really kind of you know sit down to write and immerse myself um, without any kind of baggage. Um, so it's it kind of like almost like a cleansing. So I'll, I'll you know I also talk about using smudge sticks to kind of you know free the space of any negative energy and um, and so yeah. So all of those things are kind of um, you know will work uh, absolutely. There's there's no change there. What's a smudge stick? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so a smudge stick is um, white sage, um, which is said to um, to cleanse you know negative energy from a space. So I, oh. it's basically a bundle of dried leaves uh, wrapped together in, in in some yarn, and you you light it and then put it out very quickly, and you know use the smoke to kind of. Um, cleanse the the room that you're writing in so it's oh, um okay perhaps a bit woo woo for some people um and i i, 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 no, I like that, that idea <laughs> I, I might need to try that i have too many things going on all at once i'm constantly jumping from thing to thing so when i try to write it's like literally in between between yeah. two other deadline things and yeah so i need to do that i need to like get myself some space mm. and some cleansing so i can focus yeah more. got to find your sanctuary and make it kind of work for you yeah. whether that's through candles or music or whatever incense excellent 
Well, that's a nice, pleasant thought to kind of wrap up on. Uh, if people want to find out more about you and your book and your, your projects, where can they find you online? Mm, so I'm at paulcalbergi.com. And from there, you'll find the podcast, uh, the Writer's Toolkit podcast and uh, links for the book as well. Uh, online, you'll find me at Paul Calbergi. And yeah, love, I'd love to connect with, with writers out there. Uh, everything I'm doing is to, in, is to inspire you know, fellow writers and uh, enthuse about the craft together. So absolutely, come and find me. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. Oh, it's been yeah, great. Thank nice you so much for inviting me. Yes, thank you, Sam. Yeah. Thank you. Do check out the Writer's Toolkit book and podcast. We'll put the links in the show notes to all of Paul's sites and socials. Uh, and a special thanks to you, Sam, for guest hosting today's show. Check out Ideal Remake wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Until next time, keep writing. Keep writing.